I'm Marcy. And it's Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Yes. And uh, welcome to our second episode of the Summer Short Series. That's right, y'all. Hey. It's hot outside. None of us are out there, but it's high outside. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Too real. And Shit. <laughs> I was like, oh, the birds are fluttering out there. Um, the birds is having a good time. You know, like Cinderella is always like talking to the birds when she's like sweeping. She's like, if only I could leave. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> My prince, the outside awaits me. Anyway, but so today <gasps> we wow, damn. <laughs> are going to be... <laughs> Discussing something kind of cool and exciting. We're mm-hmm. actually are going to read some excerpts from FIA Magazine. That's F-I-Y-A-H Magazine, which was a suggestion we got from our fellow podcaster, Curtis, from I Found This Great Book. Yes. And we're just going to give like a quick blurb summary of the history of it and what they're up to now. But if you want to know more about the history of I'm about to explain, Curtis actually has a whole two podcasts, one about Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston's friendship. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, spoiler, the origins of fire comes from the Harlem Renaissance, but... Is it a spoiler if, like, nobody asked? <laughs> History's <laughs> Like, is the Harlem Renaissance a spoiler? Right. Like, it's like, <laughs> Zero people. Um, but anyway, but he has he has one on their friendship, which Marcy... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, keep going, girl. Wait, Marcy, you listened to the, the episode, right? About their friendship? Yes, yes. And it, so I will say it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, like, here's the tea. Like, no one's getting, like, exposed or, like, anything like that. But it does kind of, like, chronicle sort of, like like their friendship and sort of like some things that kind of led to them, you know, having a rougher relationship at the end. Yeah. Definitely recommend it. Because um, basically the episode was where Curtis was talking about a book. I forget the actual name of the book specifically, but it was like essentially like the entire book just documented their friendship. Oh. So he was kind of just giving his two cents on the book. So, yeah. Ooh, okay. And so, okay, so now we're going to do like history with Akko. And if we were like a high production podcast, there would be some like music behind that or something. Like but, a jingle. Right. <laughs> Just imagine, like, use your imagination. <laughs> boop, do, do, boop, boop. So Aww. we're starting. Okay. History so with cute. Akko. Okay, sorry. Um, so Fire Magazine gets its name oh, from the original. Fire with a Y gets its ori- its name from the original Fire with two exclamation points, kind of like Panic exclamation point at the disco magazine, mm. which was okay. I live for that reference though. They I, also right? still smack current day. They like really... Panic at the Disco still is lit. Like I feel like my skater emo kid comes out and I'm like Panic exclamation. Oh yeah. Point. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, everyone's like, "Well, we know what era these kids were born in." Anyway, so <laughs> so Fire oh, Magazine. <laughs> was an African-American literary magazine published in New York City in 1926 during the Harlem Renaissance, which is just, I mean, dope. And check out these, mm-hmm. like, hard hitters who are involved. We have Wallace Thurman, we have Zora Neale Hurston, Aaron Douglas, John P. Davis, Richard Bruce Hugent, Gwendolyn Bennett, Louis Ganderson Alexander, Conti Collin, and Langston Hughes. Like, literally everyone who was, was like... Writing and being artistic, like just being lit in the 1920s, was like, let's make a magazine. Like, so, literally, the roster is like, so I'm like, damn, y'all are OP. Like, if right. y'all were like a JRPG party, like, y'all, like, <laughs> honestly, right. like, no boss. It's like the Avengers. It's like the Truly. Avengers of the literary world in like 1920s. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But anyway, they actually all got together at Wallace Thurman's house and Langston Hughes dubbed the meeting place and the, the artistic saloon. They called it um, Niggerati. And... <laughs> Kind of like on this play, I'm like, I lucky live, right, right. Like I was like, okay, so we've just been like having fun with these puns since like the turn of the 20th century. All right, and so right. it was like kind of this play on this like white dominated established like literary literati world, you know. And so mm-hmm. the magazine was meant to combat rampant anti black racism in America and white supremacy, and to combat like that strictness and suffocation that came with. Um, that was like put on black art to kind of promote this like racial uplift. So if you remember like Mm -hmm. during the Harlem Renaissance, there was also this kind of idea like Booker T Washington had with the talented 10th and W E E B Du Bois was like, I mean, they don't like us. We should probably just (laughs) try to get us all the way free instead of this like, Oh, the talented 10th should be like brought some, you know, it was just kind of where this birth of like respectability politics comes mm. into play so yeah so so the magazine was also supposed to be like yeah but like we don't have to be epsilons of society to have value we just like have value because we're alive um mm. any case the magazine kind of had some controversy because they did portray like things that people were like we don't want this here because we're trying to be respectable and it was like sex and mm. sexuality and so people were like we don't like this but other people were like no nah, this is cool we like this this is dope that's good so fire is seen as this very dope two exclamation points it's seen as a very dope moment in literary history it's just it didn't really have time or <laughs> to expand and become that you're like where's fire now like where <laughs> well the mm-hmm. co- after the first issue the magazine's quarters like burned down mysteriously and they like didn't restart and oh. you're like so you know like a fire you're like i don't know like when things start burning down you're like clearly someone's behind this like right like that like like we like we know we may not know who specifically but girl come on right like, just like, this just light a blaze out of nowhere like, right right and then also the irony of it damn. being called fire and then the quarter catching right on fire. and i'm sure some white person like made a joke about it as they were like running away from the scene um, <laughs> as they lit it and like, ran away. take that for fire and <laughs> i just hope that their whole family line just had bad credit from there on like honestly I'm like dead. i'm just like like bitch how dare you but there's actually like a stand-up comedian who like comes from this line who's like how come i can never make a good joke and then like the ancestors <laughs> had like cursed him to like <laughs> because the pun was so bad <laughs> it's like motherfucker like, you curse that's why <laughs> shit like, look not back only bitch. did you burn down this, this, this <laughs> like publishing company but also you said a terrible pun as you're <laughs> <laughs> Um, none of this is true. None of this is history. But if you want to learn real um, half of its history, <laughs> not the end part. Any case, the fire, the fire magazine now, fire with a Y, has been yes. going on for five years. Nothing is on fire um, except for those literary takes and those speculative fiction works hey. that are published you know, quarterly. They lit. <laughs> right. Um, and it features stories about black people in the African diaspora. This is clearly a summer shorts episode. But any case, it's, <laughs> it's really, really dope. And we're really hoping to do more with it, I think, just because speculative fiction, a magazine that talks about it a lot. And I think me and Marcy both are just when we read this we when we talk about these books we are like yo how do we project you know like marginalized bodies into the future um Mm -hmm. and what it's just something we want to do because one we exist and we're going to be in the future and two i i think it's it's something that breaks the chains of oppression being like just because something happened in the past does not mean that's who we're gonna be in the future uh right not ignoring what happened but just saying like 
cool like the future is infinite like mm. so uh, you know let's get creative and see what we can do and that's kind of what the original fire was doing like hey let's write let's let's breathe our reality into the world and watch it like set off and <laughs> like a match so to speak <clears throat> mm. any case uh besides all, well by the way so if you want to again hear more about that just go to i found listen to curtis give you a more accurate and most likely beautifully you know <laughs> stated rendition of the harlem renaissance and and the books of love there yes and we can definitely link those episodes specifically in the show notes if oh, you're interested it definitely mm-hmm. definitely but marcy yes i have a question a i again if we like had a jingle i'd be like boop, boop, boop. <laughs> aqua's question is like I, honestly we should probably make that because i feel like that'd be cute but um what's oh your question boo so in the story in short story number two there is mm-hmm. this sort of metaphor about a phoenix which is really cool and for you guys who don't know a phoenix is kind of this mythological creature that's found in a different a lot of different places it's found in egyptian jewish and greek mm-hmm. culture mythology and which kind of makes sense like given the like the history of the mediterranean mediterranean which we're not going to go into right now even though i could um so basically <laughs> you could <laughs> truly so much to say but anyway basically it's a bird that cyclically regenerates and basically it's born again and from some stories it's like born from its own ashes and we all know this because there's like the metaphor like a phoenix that rises from the ashes and it's associated with the sun and it obtains new life from its predecessors and it's kind of like every time it goes through this rebirth, it explodes. It, it, there's this combustion element. And it's like, whoa, this destruction in life. And it's said to happen every like 500 years or so. It's like a mm. cool metaphor, I think. And I just wanted to know from your perspective, when you think of the Phoenix metaphor, how do you relate it to your life? Mm. Interesting. So before I answer that question, something actually just occurred to me. So in the same way that like a phoenix, you know, like crumbles into ashes and then like is reborn again. Like, I, I guess you can kind of say the same thing about like this magazine, like oh, fire was the thing that came together. It like literally was buried to the ground and like was resurrected later. So I'm like, I, I feel like the fact that one of the stories is about a phoenix, like I feel like that was strategic. Like, I, like I, I don't know what the meeting was like where they decided that, but I was like, wait, that's like, oh, OK, issue one. I see that okay i didn't even clock that until just now so just wanted to put that out there first nice job but um but i guess as far as i go personally just in terms of my own personal life so phoenix the metaphor to me is actually really interesting because i think that for i I mean honestly i mean i've been on this motherfucker for 27 years the earth has been around that sun 27 times and i'm you know she's still in the competition and so (laughs) i feel like throughout my life i have i don't know like i feel like i've gone through a lot of iterations especially i would say like in sort of late adolescence early adulthood where i was like like i felt like i was like constantly trying to redefine myself in ways both profound but also more surface level like oh like i want to be the kind of person that like does this or carries themselves this way or does this and that and the other or like trying to like you know move myself from or past like you know maybe past experiences or whatever that i've had and i feel like i always kind of had this model so actually so, so to give you an actually like an actual specific story so I used to live in D.C. And I remember when I was 20, I just turned 23. And there was this guy who was a complete fuckboy, which, I mean, I, if we were like, I don't know, have like a kiki episode later, I can tell you all, all about that because I was <laughs> goddamn ridiculous. But this fuckboy who I knew was a fuckboy was, was still entertaining at the time. Hmm? Have you told me this story? 
Like I off, think off so. Mic? Okay, sorry. I'm yeah, we, to... like, off the mic, I could like be like, oh yeah, this is who I was talking about. But yeah, but I, like I feel like if y'all want to get to Marcy's like I don't know dating history, we can we can certainly talk about that <laughs> later. But basically, there was this fuckboy who, for whatever reason, I was deciding was worth my time. You know, my time that's finite that I actually will never get back. But what? you know, it's fine. Um, so there was one time where we like went on this date. And, like, he and I were heading back to, like, where I lived, like, in Maryland. Um, and along the way, the train that we were on, like, pretty much caught on fire. Oh, like, I remember basically, this. yeah. So, what happened was that, like, the train had stopped and there was a fire along the tracks. But being inside the train, all we saw were, like, smoke and just, like, the gleam of flames, like, within this, like, train Holy tunnel. Sh- and, like, you know, all I could really see was, like, just the panic and <laughs> the complete chaos happening inside the car. And so, they tried to do this whole thing to, like, get us to move from one car to the other because we were also like at the very front of the train so we were the closest to it Mm. so basically so i say all that to say that it was like a super scary and traumatic experience but luckily we were able to like reverse and like everyone got off the train safely and it was fine but i remember the next day this is just quintessential how i saw myself at the time i was like oh my god like in that moment i just felt like i was like gonna lose everything and like this day marks era two like i'm era two marcy like i'm like a different person and like i'm not trying to make light of the situation but like that was kind of how I witnessed change in myself like this idea of like okay like who I am we're gonna leave that in the flames that was like in that tunnel and just emerge this new better fleeky subtext perfect person and as I get older I feel like not to say that self-redefinition or emerging from the ashes so to speak like new and better like not to say that that metaphor in itself is a misplaced one but i think now i'm kind of seeing it more as like okay so those ashes that you emerge from you're those are still yours like that like that still is part of you and i feel like as i move forward in my life and as i aspire to you know like embrace different aspects of who i am but also change maybe certain aspects of like who i am or whatever like i feel like there can be an acknowledgement of the past it doesn't have to be a complete escape from it i feel like the rebirth so to speak can be one of like okay like we're kind of moving into say a different space or we're trying to like you know do something different here but like with a full acknowledgement of who i am and who i was before this moment and like honoring that Mm. and so i guess for me in the past to answer your question i feel like in the past i was very much like oh like if i'm gonna be a phoenix like you know burned and reborn like it's gonna be like a completely new fucking phoenix like girl you ain't even gonna recognize the phoenix because different motherfucker we hella different versus now i'm kind of like okay the ashes like yeah girl still you i mean you could like change your outfit but like you're still you so Mm. like it doesn't you don't have to run and completely divorce yourself from who you once were like you don't need to like be stateless in that way you can just kind of remain who you are but like still aspire to you know grow in the ways that you see fit so that's how I would answer that question. Uh, what about you? Okay. Interesting. Um, I did not realize you were so close to the flames when you told me the story the first time. Um, I like had like retro retroactive panic. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just worry about Marcy like randomly. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's it, it's fair. Like, <laughs> there's some shit that has happened where I'm like, who chow? Like, Ooh, still here. Uh, <laughs> truly still here. But my God, still in the competition. <laughs> Was it not a close call? Like, right. goddamn. I feel like sometimes so. I'm just like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, there's like a panel of like gods up there. Like, man, I she's still there. Wow, that's wild. <laughs> still, it like really? was in the bottom too, but got voted back. Like, I grew up <laughs> still out here, just you know, making Thank it you. work. So, <laughs> but um, I think there's like two things. One, I think 
the phoenix metaphor is, is a really strong one it, it kind of reminds me of the fifth season when yisin is like reborn like three times throughout the story and like ah. tries not to like recognize her past self until the end of book one which literally kids from like page three showed up again and you were like oh hey <laughs> Um, what's his name Luna and I was like <laughs> Miss Girl where have you been for literally the whole book, book. <laughs> but Lerna I think his name was, yeah Lerna there we go like that. there a, we go that, anyway but um, but I think there's two elements I think there's part of me thinks and agrees that you are allowed to change you just are and first of all you're not just allowed to mm-hmm. but you're you're going to i remember i was talking to one of my siblings and i was like talking about something i was like i'm afraid to like change and she was like well it's too late because you've already changed like it's not Whew. you actually can't stop the process from happening um we're like time-based beings we're going to move through time that's just the truth so mm-hmm. I think the phoenix is actually kind of part of our existence is this rebirth. And and I think when we want to rebirth ourselves, I don't know, whatever, rise, combust and rebirth, whatever, we mm-hmm. think the new us should be the adult old us. They should be like as talented as the adult old us, just with like all these new characteristics. Mm. And that's not really true. I, I think we have to remember like when we change you're going to, it's almost like you have to start over again. So if that's, you're like, I'm going to quit some habit, right? And then you start over again. It's almost like you're starting over from like baby Phoenix and you're not going to be as good as you were at doing the old habit mm. as not doing it because you just started. And I, I think we we change and we want so adamantly to be a masters the second we start over. But that's not mm-hmm. what the metaphor means. It's almost like a rebirth you have to begin again. I mean, you'll have, like like you said, too, you can't, like, you're rebirthing from the ashes of your old self. So it's not like you're, you've you lost everything you ever... I, I think it's more like the right. avatar, right? Like, maybe <laughs> even more connected. But, like, you do have to start over. It's just that you have a lot of knowledge from your past to start over with. So I think mm. for me, that's something I had to be like... Because when I start over, I'm like, brand new me, fresh start, woo! And then it's like... <laughs> Come on, and then, like, day three, I'm like, how come I'm not? I, I guess the process of becoming is a process. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's It takes time and stuff. And I think that's something I had to learn. And instead of just being like, uh, I wanted like instantaneous like mastery. I like want like ramen noodle level like mastery. Right. <laughs> Throw it in the oven. It comes, I mean, this, the microwave and <laughs> 2.5 minutes later, it comes out like grown. Um, right. I like the metaphor of the phoenix. I think it's a great metaphor. I just think that um, mm-hmm. the afterwards, the rebirth part, is the part that we struggle with, and <laughs> we don't. Mm. We we want it to be a lot easier. Right. It's like learning to walk again. Right. Like to be fair, I feel like in like Harry Potter and all the movies where there's a phoenix, the phoenix just like starts flying again, and it's like I'm good, I'm Gucci, and it like disappears into the sunset, and you're like, oh, right. I guess I guess it was fine. <laughs> but I I think. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. But then also I think culture and, and is like that too. Like I think there's a rebirth in culture, like you said, with the magazine. But also mm-hmm. just, and you kind of see that metaphor in the two stories we're going to read. And it's a mm. lot of starting over, but not necessarily, you can't wipe away the past, even if you start over. Right. So with that, you probably take a break and come back. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> you good? <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a heavy it's a heavy thing to consider. Um, just so really quickly, so super duper quick before we go on a break, I just wanted to like underscore what you said, and um, there was something you said that it made me think of something. Yeah, I think it's like it's it's hard because it's like it's like the redefinition part is like the glamorous like Sailor Moon we're transforming part, Ooh. but it's like the actual. Sometimes I think it's like when we're really trying, and like there's a lot of reasons that that you know we find within ourselves to want to change in different ways. Mm. And I think sometimes I've noticed, at least for me, it's like when I am trying to run from like a previous iteration of myself or like a habit that I have or like whatever, and like there's a lot of just animosity towards that. I like want it to be gone as quickly as humanly mm. possible, but like. Sometimes it's just, like, acknowledging, like, okay, like, this is a thing that I do or this is, like, you know, the kind of person that I was, whatever, whatever I am trying to change, but it's a process. It's, like, I think sometimes at least, like, accepting that this is who you are, even if you're not, like, super proud of it, but, like, just being, like, okay, this is just who I am, I think sometimes makes those next steps a little bit easier because there's not so much vitriol motivating the redefinition it's kind of like a, okay like it's a desire to change but a simultaneous acceptance of who i was yes um, that i think kind of makes it a little bit easier to move through i agree so because yeah. if you think about it the phoenix is rising from its own ashes it's not like mm. grabbing someone else's ashes or like, it's not <laughs> it's like, like stealing ashes right <laughs> throwing them on no but like yeah exactly i think when we try to recreate ourselves, you're right. We do often like almost trash the old self we used to be. But that's mm. that's the, like the aggressive opposite of what a phoenix is. Like a phoenix, it takes what it was and then cobbles together a new self. You know, it breaks Ooh. it breaks what it was into elementary like ashes, like carbon bits. You know what I mean? Mm. And then from all the old experiences, reconfigure. You know what? I think I fucking love the Phoenix metaphor because yeah, it literally like takes everything you were. You know, energy can't be destroyed or created. Like it doesn't destroy your old energy. It's it's the law of mm. um, what's it called? Not conservation, thermodynamics. Oh boy! <laughs> oh, There's a Newton? physicist somewhere. Energy can't be created. It like, can be created but not destroyed. Who's who? The fuck said that? No, I don't think it can be created or destroyed. It just transforms. Ah, you're right. Uh, boom. A, anyway, but the the point is like, <laughs> said, boom! <laughs> I got you. <laughs> but the point is, it's it's this cobbling together of self. It's almost like this metamorphosis of self doesn't discard anything that you were. It, it doesn't hate anything that you were. But it says, what can I use of this to make my new self? Mm. You know, and I think that's actually very forgiving of old traits. It's it's very it's so much healthier of a concept. Um, yeah interesting yeah cool yeah. you guys are li li listening in real time as we figure out how we feel about this but um. <laughs> <laughs> but yes i agree but like you were facilitating earlier before i jumped in <laughs> yes let's definitely take a break and when we get back we'll talk about two short stories that called our attention We are. So now, okay, so we just chose two out of the Fire magazine to talk about. There's actually more. And hopefully in the future, if we, you know, come back to this, which we hopefully will, we'll do a new a new issue and we'll do more stories. So just know that there's mm -hmm. way, 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 way more where this comes from if you want to read Absolutely. them. And also the magazine's not that expensive. Like it's like three fifty five and the covers mm -hmm. are gorgeous. Like they're 
genuinely stunning. Also, this is not a promotion. Like, no one's paying us. Like, we genuinely just like speculative fiction Literally, magazines. <laughs> <laughs> just getting no checks. So we're just Zero really people. just keeping it a buck yeah. with y'all. Yeah. Right. So the, the story, one of the stories we chose was Police Magic by Brent Lambert. And basically the summary goes like this. So it's two black brothers, Kaloop and Adrian. And they live in this like future post-apocalyptic America in which magic has returned. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And so there's this something called like the twisting that happened. And basically in the twisting, it's almost like someone explains later that like science and magic are cyclical and they follow each other, which is like a really cool concept. But the idea mm-hmm. was like the old society was kind of the basis for when this new twisting happened. It brought magic back, but like based on how things had been previously, but amplified. So this story mm-hmm. is, these are short stories. So they can't like, this concept could be like spread to almost, I mean, you can make a high fantasy novel out of this concept. Mm-hmm. This is focusing specifically on police brutality. So for instance, the police are, who are like, I have a history of being like violent against black bodies. All of a sudden have this like, they become like monstrous creatures, you know, like it's very Mad Max, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, like you know how in like a post-apocalyptic like sand movies, it's always like people are like, they're all their clothes are torn and they like have spiky hair, but like everyone's right. got like horns and shit. <laughs> like that's what I imagined. And like, they're like, right. cause like when you, when the story first opens, like the two boys and they're like uh, surrounded by like a motorcycle gang of like evil, like used to be police officer monster people. And one of the brothers, Adrian, has this, like, other power, which I I would say is, like, the power of the oppressed. But, like, and Mm -hmm. it's, like, what's interesting is it's, like, this conflicted power. So it's super, super powerful, but he can't control it. And he's actually kind of scared of it. And the two of them Mm -hmm. are running away from Atlanta, which has been destroyed by the twisting. And basically, they get to Chicago or some other place, and they're talking to some other people who have magical powers, but theirs aren't as, I guess... Oh, dangerous sorry, real quick. Yeah. Weren't they in San Diego? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't. I'm sorry. It really You're doesn't. right. No, I'm, I'm wrong. So they're trying. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't be. You're right. Like, uh, So the two brothers are traveling and they end up in San Diego because Atlanta has been destroyed. And they meet this other character who has magical powers, but hers are less destructive. And she's kind of like, mine protect. Yours are kind of angry and, and full of revenge, which, okay, fine, for good reason. Mm-hmm. She points out, she's like, for good reason. But it's also just a very chaotic power. It's very powerful and destructive. And so right. the brothers are like, how are we going to defeat the twisting? You know, and, and she's like, we have to defeat it through forgiveness. And they're like, say what? Why? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't want to. But she's like, look, the world that's not saying that your pain isn't justified, but like this twisting has started a new era. And like, how are we going to move forward? Are we just going to like keep living in this weird apocalypse? Or are we going to like move forward with love and not necessarily it, it look, it's a, I have a complicated relationship with the theme. Okay. I also have a complicated yeah. relationship with the theme, but um, yeah, that's the story. So they go in and they, his, their dead mother shows up. I'm not going to talk about how that didn't make any sense, but their dead mother shows up and <laughs> <laughs> she's there and the two of them fight this monster twisting beast and they're basically there are some really cool lines in there it's a it's a lot of self-actualization and i think that part i liked about the story it wasn't like i'm forgiving you for you i'm forgiving you to heal myself to control this power inside of me and i thought that was really cool Mm. and so they like overcome and then they're like whoa what does the future hold and that's kind of the end of the story right Uh, yeah um 
Yeah, that was pretty much it. And just to add super quickly, so Adrian had this like basically like a curse mark. So the power yes. that he had that was like, you know, really chaotic. It was like marked by these things on his hands. And the idea was that people who had that same mark also like they slowly kind of lost control of who they were and then like yeah. became bloodthirsty and terrible. But luckily, Naya came in and was like, hey. Here's We're how you solve that. Fight some demons. And so they like fought demons through like meditation and like love. Um <laughs> and so the curse mark is gone. And so yeah, it ended on like I guess as high of a note that the twisting could afford us, but yeah. So yeah. yes, just wanted to throw that in super quickly. So the story that I'm gonna talk about is called Chisaira by L.D. Lewis. So in the story that I, that well, I mean, both of us read it, but <laughs> I'm going to talk about. So essentially all of this takes place on a planet called Atlas, where there are these creatures called phoenixes. I mean, it's pronounced phonetically like phoenix, but it's spelled differently. So I would assume it's kind of like a mixed human, like phoenix creature. Yeah. And so basically phoenixes in this world are like revered in the sense that essentially the way they work is that like, you know, when they get, I think it's just like when they experience some kind of like agitation or stress, like they tend to light on a fire and the fire that they emit is like really beautiful for like onlookers, I guess. And then they turn to ashes and then like emerge usually in like a, I guess, more youthful sort of like what we would code as beautiful way. And so they have these characteristics that make them, I guess, revered by other people. But the other thing too is that like while Phoenixes in the past used to be like rulers of the land and like, you know, have a lot of power nowadays, like they typically kept in captivity both for their beauty, but also because they like can really fuck shit up like high key. Mm. And so Chisaira is the name of like, so she's the main character and she's a Phoenix. And the story starts off with her being in this doll maker named Nazar's like, doll oh it's creepy place of mm. like he has like a workshop area where he like makes dolls and he literally makes dolls that look like chisaira and then he sells them to people and then gives chisaira like no money and i'm like what the fuck and yeah. he literally keeps chisaira like in a cage like a bird and so basically he is like coming back after selling some dolls and he's like oh girl like we like da 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 and the thing is like nazar is like super abusive like he'll like i mean he basically puts chisaira through shit that we don't really even need to go through but, but just know that like when phoenix experience pain See, and things like good. that like you know they burn and they are reborn and all of that so nazar obviously sucks and so chisaira is like okay like and then before this, like, she also, she lived with some other guy who she ended up killing because he had her fucked up. And so it's one of those things where, like, Chisaira, at the beginning of the story, is trying to, like, plot her escape from Nazar's, like, doll-making place. Very Pinocchio. And so, like, so, yeah, so Nazar comes back. He's like, oh, girl, we sold these dolls, da da da, da. And then he, like, tries to get her to sing. And Chisaira is just like, bro, you got me fucked up. And so she, like, manages to escape the cage. And she, like heavily injures Nazar and then like lights his whole building on fire yep. and like basically just like plots her escape and just goes rogue and just runs out. I mean the thing is she had planned to escape anyway but she mm-hmm. didn't quite know what she was going to do when she was out but she was like I mean I know up until a certain point but then after that we'll just kind of see what happens. Because the other thing too is that if you're clocked as a phoenix in this world like I mean they're they're virtually slaves and yeah. so it's like you like typically they have like a they, I guess a master quote unquote and so Chisaira like you know if she's clocked as a phoenix just like out here like motherfuckers are trying to like you know own her in another capacity and especially if they knew that like she just like burned down Azar's place and debatably killed him as well like it's like okay well you know yeah like it, it just wouldn't be a good look. 
So Chisara is like running around. She's like trying to figure out like what to do. She lives in a really urban area. I forgot the name of the city, but basically she's like running, trying to figure out what to do. It starts raining, which is not a good look because rain and water are like, that's like not good for phoenixes. Like that could actually kill them. And so she's like, okay, so it's raining. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I just need to get the fuck out of here. So let me just go into the bar real quick. Also, Chisara can't read, which also makes it hard to like navigate society. Anyway, so she runs inside this bar and she's sitting there. She like orders something to eat. And this guy named Sam, like, sits across from her, and he's like, oh, you look so familiar. Oh, like, girl, where do I know you from? Oh, my. Him. You look mad familiar. She's like, well, who are you? And she's like, I'm not interested. And he was like, oh, but, like, you know. And she's like, I'm not <laughs> interested in this shit. And okay. so, basically, he's being mad creepy, and he's, like, trying to, like, flirt with her and shit. And she said, I was like, bro, I'm really just trying to eat my meatballs, and you're really making this complicated. Like, could you actually My Ikea fuck? meatballs. And, she's like, like, oh. like honestly. <laughs> Um, so all of a sudden, like this, this woman named Esperanza shows up and she like basically is like, oh, she's sorry. There you are. Like, oh, like, and she looks over to Sam. She's like, oh, like she's busy. Like, fuck off basically. And then Sam's like, okay, I guess I'll leave now. And so Esperanza sits with Chisaira. And so the two of them get to talking and basically Esperanza is with someone named Vanish, um, who's like at the other end of the bar. And they're both, like, these kind of two quirky, like, misfitty types who are essentially thieves, and they're also part of, like, a circus. Um, yep. So they clearly lit and probably queer. And basically, like, they were just telling, like, Chisaira, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we have this, like, circus thing, and we're also, like, liberators. Like, we like to, like, liberate people from, like, terrible situations. And we just kind of do what we gotta do to make it happen. So you trying to, like, join us? Like, what's up? And then Chisaira was like, mm, I don't really trust you, which, fair, because, I mean, the state has not Next. been good to Chisaira. So she's like, you know, I don't really trust you from a can of paint. Like, I don't know. From a can of paint? And so what? she decides, hmm? From a can of paint. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> sorry, all of a sudden my mind was like, I saw this like talking like can of paint that was like, had a knife or something. <laughs> like, can I cut you? <laughs> sorry, continue. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, no, because like, you got to be careful with paint, girl. So basically, Chisaira was like, I don't really trust y'all. Y'all got me fucked up. And so, mind you, in the distance, Sam and his like, shitty friends who probably have bad credit were like looking at Chisara this whole time and was like oh like we're trying to like assess the situation and then Chisara was like bro this is all just a lot so she leaves the bar everyone behind and didn't really have a plan but she was like I'm just gonna leave the bar like whatever so she's like walking walking whatever and then basically like Sam rolls up with his five friends and he was like oh I know where I know you from I was one of Nazar's friends where he like he would sell us like dolls and shit and like you were the one that like burned down his place and killed him weren't you and she was like what <laughs> girl what are you are you tripping no girl you bugging that's like, my cousin no that's my cousin <laughs> that's crazy like i actually have a twin girl like you bro like what and so then, like sam's like no that was definitely you Da-da-da-da. and she's like yeah you're right like i'm bullshitting lol um, so they're like um we lost a lot of money because of you because we had dolls that were in the making and like we lost all that money she's like i actually needed freedom so i actually don't care about your money and he's like oh but it's cool because i can just like own you and then we can just like make a deal and then like all of a sudden the police roll up like in like helicopters and shit it's like od people like 30 motherfuckers surrounded chisaira at this point and so then she kind of just goes into like a rage and just like lights a blaze but so much so that it like, kind of melts everyone around her because she was like so agitated and so stressed that she was like i'm not gonna be put in like more captivity like i will literally die sooner than that so she burns literally everybody and then at this point she's like in ashes but then like eventually wakes up and she's on a ship that actually Espadanza and vanish own in addition to like the other people who are like in their circus troop 
And she's like, bro, where the fuck am I? Like, what is this? And Esperanza's was like, look, there's a place. So they were on a planet called Atlas, but they're going to a place pronounced Earth, but it does it's not spelled like Earth. It's like I-R-T-H. It's like, oh, so like Earth is in the distance. I'm like, bro, it's Earth like the like the Earth we own. Like, y'all tripping. But anyway. Um, so basically they were like, yeah, so Earth is right there. You know, if you want to like, because I was like where she said I wanted to end up anyway. So they were like, if you want to get off there, we can just like let you off. And like, you know, it's hella species on that planet. Bro, it's mad drama you honestly would kind of fly under the radar and be just like just fine Blech. um but i'm like espadanza you you low-key not even wrong for like for real but basically she was like yeah like so we can just leave you there if you want that like like we aren't interested in keeping you here if you don't want to be here and then she said i was looking outside and she was like you know i do want to go outside and i do want to be on this planet but then like just thinking about the station of other phoenixes like her on atlas she was like i can't in good conscience just leave them like i don't know part of me is like wants freedom but i feel like that comes with like abandonment and i, I, I don't know i feel like it'd be hard for me to mm. live with that and so she turns to like esperanza and vanish and like the motley crew that she's with and she's like you know what i'll join you girls what is all this about and then esperanza's like hmm interesting and then the story ends so clearly could have easily been chapter one of a much bigger super interesting novel but yes. yeah so that's the story of chisaira so i guess now we'll take a little bit of oh i go unless you want to add something before we go to a break no that's how the story went it was good yeah bet cute yeah so we could take a little break and then when we get back we'll go into the discussion of our thoughts Okay, so we're back for a discussion. Um, mm-hmm. Let's start with police magic. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the story is really, okay, it's a little on the nose, like, oh, police brutality and then, yeah. you know, the, the destruction and then now they're grotesque monsters. Okay, fine. Like, we got it. And so you're reading and you're like, this is, the metaphors are very obvious, but hey, you know, whatever. Different strokes for different mm-hmm. folks. What I thought was cool is like they had this healthy brotherly love story going on between Kaloop and Adrian and mm-hmm. not just that but it, it showed boys as like especially I think this is the nuanced part when you think about police brutality you think a lot about young black people being seen as a threat not being able to be seen as weak or afraid or mm-hmm. scared and trying to overcome it and when that's what we really are and so to see Adrian and Kaloop as these characters who are they cry a lot in the story they are afraid mm-hmm. They don't know what to do. And Agent's terrified of this power he has in him and what it's going to do. And and that kind of metaphor of this, you know, having this body that people see as dangerous and that can like lead to problems in your life and not knowing how to control you basically Mm -hmm. the the perception towards you and how that is a power in of itself. That's the double sided sword is really cool. Mm. And then watching them struggle with that and, and overcome it really through love. Like it's really their connection to each other and their mother who shows up randomly. That kind of makes, (laughs) (laughs) I'm all for mothers, but like, I just feel like it didn't have enough basis. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is the the love (laughs) of the characters is what brings them out of it. And I, I thought that was really, really cool. And, and, to see them fight something through love is also really cool. Now, it's hard because, and they actually talk about this in the book too. They're like, okay, but like we've been doing this love thing for like a really long time. I kind of wish someone would just, you know, like, I don't know, shoot right. the bad guys, like kill the villains. Like how come everybody else's story is like, and we defeated the villain and then we're the good guys. And why do we have to have this like nuanced 
mm. love power thing. And and that's like a fair argument, right? Like so much violence against black bodies in the history of America specifically and globally with, when we think about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the diaspora. But what is cool is watching these boys kind of take power in a different direction, being like, okay, but we're going to write this story kind of the way we want to. And, and it's a lot of self actualization like when they're defeating this twisting or this villain character it's a lot of like Mm -hmm. i forgive myself for not feeling like i forgive fear it's almost like this overcoming of fear like i forgive fear for not believing in me for making me not believe in myself so it's almost like this putting Mm. it behind you and i really like it because it's like the world is screwy, but they're like, in this new world, we make the rules and we're going to make it this way. We're not going to meet your violence. When you talk about colonization, right? The problem is epistemology, where you change not just mm-hmm. the history of things, but you change the way people look at the history of things. And mm-hmm. that's probably what's most effective about colonization. This is why people burn books <laughs> when they like take over places, right? Because then you can change the mm-hmm. story. But uh, I think... In, in the same way we have this phoenix metaphor and this overcoming metaphor, it's kind of like, I'm just waxing poetic for no reason, but but it's kind of like a re, if, if we're in a new magical era where we've put the old era behind, it's almost like things work differently now. Like your hatred doesn't fuel everything now. Like love fuels things now. And is that overly optimistic? Sure. Okay. But it's right. summer and I want to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> So I like that. I like those those parts of the story. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I, I mean, I share a lot of the the sentiments of what you said. I think the relationship between Kulap and Adrian was like, yeah, like I loved seeing like sort of their banter and their energy. Because even like, for example, like Adrian, I mean, obviously with everything going on, but also with the burden of having this like curse mark thing, like was often just like in a sour mood. And so like Kulap was sort of like... Caleb? Caleb, I'm sorry. Yeah, Caleb will like literally look at him and be like, oh, like, you know, like, I get it. He's just like kind of in like one of those moods. And it's just one of those things where it's like they just clearly understood each other very well. But like there was still like some level of of accountability and like communication. And you could just tell they really cared about each other. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, there was a moment where like Caleb like smiled and like Adrian was like, bro, like Caleb would always try to like pull that smile when we were younger. And like our parents would not fall for that shit. Like it was just like, you know, it was like, it was like they clearly had a lot of history. And I was like, this is like, I really like this dynamic. Like it feels like y'all are just like, just being real with each other and it's yep. fine. And even like at the very beginning when like Adrian like, I mean, used the curse mark to like kill Hose, like he was like really agitated afterwards and Caleb just kind of like was there for him and just sort of like got him through that. And it's just like, I just like seeing this sort of like this like nurturing energy between us. I mean, I would assume these like younger I'm not sure if they were like teens or like young men or like how yeah. I guess they would fall, but yeah, Whatever just seeing that YA kind of energy. Novel, you know, like the rage for a YA novel, which could be like yeah. 16 to like 24. <laughs> yes. So, so seeing that was, was really nice. I really, really appreciate that. And I also liked the theme of magic being something that's like in the world. And sometimes it's like, you know, it's more prominent and other times right. it's not as prominent. Like, but the thing is it never actually left. Like it's just, it's around and it's like, we just kind of go through these cycles, but it's always there. Like that was like a really interesting concept right. to me that I thought was really fascinating. And also like science and magic being like two sides of the same coin. I was like, this is yes. dope too. Because they're usually at odds with each other, but right. I think seeing them like almost like like really up, like... Like um, seasons. Yeah, like complement each other was like, yeah. okay, this is like an interesting sort of framing thing. I feel like we don't really see this a lot. I would like to see the story longer, but like not less yeah. on the nose but longer yeah and that's the thing I, I and also i think that the story also did a good job of acknowledging like you said the undue amount of labor that's being expected it's like oh just like forgive and it's like but girl like 
what? <laughs> you know, it's like we have a hell of shit to be spiteful about. And I remember, for example, one of the demons that they were fighting was actually Caleb's like kindergarten teacher who was just like probably racist and just shitty and was like, you know, tried to convince him that he was nothing. And sort of recounting that experience, Caleb was like, I kind of wish I could have given the five-year-old version of myself like sort of the knowledge and the wisdom to like know that he was somebody. But it's just like, but that's so much to expect from a five-year-old yep. anyway. You know what I mean? Like it's yep. like that kind of like wisdom and resilience it's like girl you're but you were five like you were five and i think that's something we all struggle with though like exactly in those moments when like when you face racism especially when you're younger you just like and that's what gets you because that's of course you would target a Mm. younger person with your racial ideas because they can't fight you and so you're so annoyed and angry that you're like but it's like yeah you were a kid i i have this right that like villains are for teenagers i simply mean that like that kind of concept of someone with so much power over you and you being so underpowered, like fucking Charmander against like whatever legendary <laughs> beast is out there. Dragonite or some shit. Right. You're like, God damn, this is about to be horrid <laughs> to watch. But yeah, it's something that's, that's where you can get so upset. Cause you're just like, if I were an right. adult in that situation, like I would have like, and you're like, yeah, but you weren't. And you have to right. like, have, not you have to, but like, please give yourself like grace for that. You know? right it's a struggle yeah so it was definitely like an interesting read i did feel like some of naya's friends were like that was a little okay so basically so to preface what i'm about to say when they got to san diego they met these different people like there was like someone named carmen and someone else named ignacio and they like i guess kind of knew naya and basically when they arrived they were like like basically caleb and adrian walked to the beach and then ignacio rolls up like strapped and he's like what are y'all doing like what the fuck is this and then he was like oh we're looking for her and then ignacio was like oh yes her and then carmen was like do y'all want beans? And I was like, what the, what is this scene right now? Like, I was like, who are these characters? <laughs> like, I was like, honestly, like, like, even if the story were made the same length, but we just like cut out that random part with like Naya's sort of friends. I was like, I, I, I just feel like y'all are weird and not adding much of anything to the story. <laughs> so I was just kind of confused as to why they were there. Then there was someone who like wasn't Carmen and also wasn't Ignacio or Naya, but like was also was a character. There. But I was like, yeah. but she like escorted them to the cabin, but we, but we like never really heard from her again. And I was like, wait, did, like did she have a name like who what? like it was just like oh like was that a ghost bro what is ha- like i don't know i just had this whole conflict where i was like what is this but it ended and it was and then they fought demons and it was fine and love one but you know i was like i feel like that could have not been there but um anyway so just a petty note of um you know critique but yes so so yeah <laughs> but um i guess now maybe we can pivot and talk a little bit about chisaira Ooh, i love it so for me, I thought so. I, I actually really liked the short story. I I remember like I put it down. I was like, I I like that that happened. Like I'm not mad at the story. It was definitely a little bit longer, but I was like not mad at it at all. And I think that the exploration of like freedom and loneliness was really interesting. And I feel like that like was a kind of an interesting. I mean, it wasn't super fleshed out. It was kind of like the last like page that you know when when basically when she started, I was looking at Earth and was like, oh, should I go or should I not? Should I not? And then thinking about the impending loneliness slash guilt of abandoning people like her on atlas like mm. like when she was kind of going through that whole thing i feel like i don't know like i i really appreciate that sort of nuance there because i think that for i don't know like a lot of people when we think about like when we define freedom or like greater access or whatever it's like it right. does kind of come typically with this additional like okay but like you also have to acknowledge that like as you 
gain this greater social mobility, like you're likely going to be socially, like, I mean, <laughs> talk of social distancing, like distance <laughs> further socially from people who like raised yeah. you or were around you or like, you know, the culture that you belong to. And so like other people with that sort of shared experience, it's just like an unfortunate fact of the world. And I feel like that was something that like they, I mean, in this case, it was really dramatic. Like she was literally on a spaceship, like almost low key about to like whip and nay into earth, but was like, actually girl, I'm good. Like we, we good. <laughs> it was like, that was a really like an extreme way of showing it. But I feel I'm like dead. that tension is something that I was like, this is interesting. Like, I yeah. think that that's like a nuance that I definitely appreciated seeing in the story. And I don't know. Like, I liked that. I, and I don't know. Maybe it's just because I, I feel like I've come across a lot of protagonists who have sort of like Chisira's energy, like a similar sort of like, I'm doing me, fuck all you bitches. Like, I'm just about to like do whatever. But something, I don't know. Like, I guess in her case, there was something about it that felt more, I don't know. Like, she I just felt obnoxious. more like. She wasn't obnoxious, I found. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's like, you're not. Like, I think sometimes it's like that can read to me and like I don't I don't know I don't want to have this come off a certain way but sometimes like I feel like that kind of energy can come off a little like it's like okay you're a little egotistical you're kind of you know Selfish. a little brash like I feel like yeah. you're, there's no need to really act like this you completely understood where she was coming from because you're like yeah if you were in a cage for like almost five decades it makes sense that like the literal day that you aren't it's like okay I don't trust none of you motherfuckers like, who, like I, what your point was like it's, it's well taken in the sense that like she's like i don't trust you but you know i feel like sometimes like you read these books and they're like i was in the cage fuck you i hate you i hate you and you're like oh my god okay okay yes we understand that you're angry <laughs> she was like i don't trust you okay i'm gonna go over here right you know what i mean like it wasn't like right it wasn't like this complete like i don't know not that i mean if you're in a cage for five decades and you want to yell at people it's like <laughs> acceptable but like, very fair but um but like yeah her, her response just isn't like you're like yep that makes sense like that's it feels realistic i guess that's the right answer mm. yeah yeah and i guess the last thing i would say was um i liked the imaginative exploration of being reborn into your same circumstances like kind right. of like that tension of what we talked about earlier of like it's like you're a phoenix but like i mean for a lot of chisara's life it's like she would burn turn to ashes and when she reemerged, she'd be in the same yeah shit so it's like Ugh. how does that inform a drive within you to push back when it's like mm. damn like even when i'm reborn it's the same circumstances you know what i mean like it's like how do i like what do you do with that it's like a con- it's like a constant reintroduction of your circumstances yeah. in a way where it's like okay like it's like you can't even divorce yourself from it it's like damn yeah. like i'm just like reintroduced to all the shit over and over and Ugh. over again it's like being re-socialized into a world that you just know is trash. Yeah. It's like, damn, if I was just alive the entire time, like, at least I could have just been, like, like, I had the previous, like, socialization already take place, so it's like I'm a bit more acclimated. I don't right. know. It's just, like, there's something about, like, that additional vulnerability that I was like, who shit. Oof. That's Girl, a that's, good point. Oof, my God. And yeah, you know, so... That's kind of true yeah. about reality, too, right? Like, true. you know, we talked about earlier, like, rebirth and being a new person, but you might still be in the circumstance that sucked in the first place like that's actually that is true pretty common and it doesn't make your rebirth any less but it does like you're like wait i you know i think we get frustrated when we're like wait i yeah but i grew how come i'm still here and you're like yeah some circumstances Mm. are not in your control It, it doesn't mean you shouldn't change but it's like that's part of the tension of being alive so you're right that's like a really cool nuance i i didn't think about until you mentioned it look at that marcy thanks what did you think i i like the story i think well first of all there's like a really cool description 
where she was like talking about how she was forced to change on command, which technically that's not how the Phoenix works. Like, so then she would also try to deny like them the satisfaction of watching her like change. But then over time it would like cause her pain and like she would have mm. to do it eventually. And this kind of concept of your, I don't know, whatever magic, your power, yourness being used for others and then like commodified and then like forced to perform it's like really, mm. really painful. I, I think that part was really painful. I, I thought that was well explained because I think that is part of a lot of people's lives when it comes to just any type of oppression and, and the sort of performativeness of when the society accepts you, but in a way that serves others and not yourself. Um, mm. So it's like, yeah, and then you you end up trying to hurt yourself to hurt them. I, I, I that metaphor was like pretty poignant. So I was like, that's really cool. Not in like mm-hmm. a fun way, but in like a oh, I felt that. Um, yeah. And then I think there was one line that I really liked, and I don't know if I like this just because it sounds cool, which I guess is like fine. But she's describing. <laughs> <laughs> She was describing how it feels to turn into ash. And I, I thought it was just interesting to think about the process of the recreation of self or just just even just on a completely superficial level, like what it would be like to turn into ash and then arise mm-hmm. as a phoenix. And she has this line mm-hmm. where she says, phoenix do not cease to be when they when they are ash. Rather, they wait dormant in a state of black nowhere for all they know. It's a state of black everywhere, but lacking the sense that come with body. Nowhere is just as likely beautifully written very poetic also the metaphor of like blackness is everything and nothing at the same time as this creation and destruction i I think in a world where blackness has usually a metaphor of evil this is blackness with no no connotation of evil whatsoever Mm. (laughs) it's 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 everything it's life but not in a like a green grass type of way but on this ethereal everything spacey type of way so I thought right. that was cool. And it like holds us when we're in these circumstances that this liminal are uncertain. Exactly. It's just there. Yeah. Hmm. It was really like a really comfortable blanket or something. So I really like that metaphor. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a good way to end, I think, the magazine. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, it was definitely... I Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I literally <laughs> have nothing to add. Like, yeah, like I just, I, I just agree. Um... Also seeing Sam and bitches burn was so delicious. I, mean, I was like, Jesus. yes, God. Because I literally was like, bro, how is she sorry about to get... Because I thought it was going to be like a like an Esperanza and Vanish come out of nowhere and they like ta- like just triple team the situation and like ah, body everybody. But like, she's I was like, actually, I got, I actually got this. So just literally back up because all right. you bitches are like, just like, yeah. So, hmm. So that was satisfying. But um, I mean, I guess we can like... It feels so weird. I feel like we're like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like we're so used to having these like mammoth, like five hour episodes. It's like, yeah, like I feel like we're just like at a healthy, <laughs> good stopping point. Yeah. I think so I guess as we go to our usual spiel, unless of course, Akko, that you had any other things you wanted to add. No, I think I'm just excited to, I think, read more of these stories, this magazine. I'm kind of excited to see where this goes. I don't know. I, I find it. Yeah. I like these stories because it's fantasy reimagined exactly with new metaphors and new basis, fantasy basis. Like it's, you know, Mm. it's cool. I'm excited to read more and kind of just see where it goes. 
I agree. I agree. And there's hella issues for reading. I mean, this is the first one, but I think there's 13. Yeah. I'm sure it's 13. So yeah, plenty of stories to go around. But um, quickly before I guess going into our usual spiel, I wanted to just say also, we're still doing our initiative to get the 25 oh, ratings yeah. and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Um, because Akko and I, before we even were the Color Pages Book Club, recorded like an episode zero where we talked about Octavia Butler's Book of Martha, episode which is zero. so cute and lit. It's basically low-key a summer short. It's like low-key. That's true. So super on brand. Um, so yeah, like, so we're basically doing a thing where, yeah, if we get 25 ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, uh, just close. your honest opinions, we will release it as a bonus episode. Kind of in the same way that we released the interview with Justina Ireland, which I'm still yes. gagged that we did that. Like, I'm literally Wild. just like, wow, like, we really, we interviewed a whole Justina Ireland. Like, that is like, I am true. Crazy. What? The, uh, what? You guys should listen to that episode. And the fifth season. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah. Also listen to it because it was like cute. Yeah. Um. But yes. So if you want to get in touch with us, recommend any other stories for the Summer Short series or books for the fall or anything of that nature, yes. feel free to send us an email at thesecolorpages at gmail.com. We also have a website at thesecolorpages.com that's hella cute where we have our Marcy and Akko's Corners where oh, we yeah. like post like book reviews and just kind of like other, just like other sort of things to document our reading experiences so it's kind of like extra content for y'all to check out and we also you know obviously have our other book club episodes and all of that so yeah definitely check out our website and we also have a twitter at the colored pages that we are using because we're like social media like influencers like we're like influencers like we're like on I mean, social media so like no, check it out no yeah but Aka, check it out anything but... we should <laughs> is there anything we should leave our listeners with before we head out uh no i think just until we see you guys next time Remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.